Greetings, everyone. Welcome to D Green with Amy. I'm Amy. After adopting a whole food plant-based lifestyle, my hubby Rick and I lost over 130 pounds. Now I coach others on their plant-based journey. Just has voice. Let's welcome our guest. Dr. Susanna Vazzoni is a board-certified physician with plant-based telehealth who helps empower patients without criticism to find joy in the journey towards their best selves. Please click like to help Be Green with Amy. Welcome, Dr. Susanna Vazzoni. Greetings and welcome, Dr. Vazzoni. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm so glad you're here. We had a little technical difficulty, so I really appreciate all of you guys who hung in there for us because we did get on just a little late, but not too bad. So Dr. Bazzoni is here to talk about depression and anxiety, which are really big deals because I hear a lot about this from a lot of people. I was looking at depression affects over like 300 million people worldwide. I mean, it's one of the most debilitating conditions in the world. And then there's many forms of anxiety, apparently, but there's generalized anxiety. And even just that type of anxiety affects over, almost 7 million adults. And probably we have to think about the children that might be having statistics of their own. And then if anxiety becomes overwhelming, persistent, and I mean, it could really interfere with regular daily activities or maybe even make them impossible. So... And I guess we have to talk about them both because somebody could have anxiety and also suffered from depression or both of them or vice versa. And I'm so glad that you're here because there's a lot of people that really need to, to hear about this and, and see what they can do to glean from you, your expert, and see what they can learn about it and maybe get some help here. Yeah, absolutely. So yes, you're you're absolutely right. It's it's one in five people suffer with some mental health concern today, and and I think it's really important too to to recognize that historically we've separated. It's like mental health is over here and physical health is over here, but it's really important to recognize that they go together. So if you have a mental health concern or difficulty or struggle, you're more likely to have a physical disorder and, and, and vice versa, right? So if you have a chronic illness, for example, like diabetes or heart disease or Parkinson's, you're much more likely to have depression or anxiety or other mental health concerns. And, and I think that, you know, that's kind of obvious because we're, we're not separate from our our head and our body. And a lot of the, the underlying root drivers of mental health concerns are the very same as they are for chronic disease, like inflammation and even unstable blood sugars, right? So you could even have what you think is an anxiety attack and it it's, looks very much the same as when your sugar crashes, right? You get rapid heart rate, you get, mm. sweat, you get, you know, so the importance of food in chronic disease has been talked about a lot, but really not spoken enough about in terms of mental health. And I think that's true really uh, generally lifestyle is, it, it, as a whole. Um, you know, we kind of just think, oh, well, that's, I'm an anxious person and then it's my identity. And then that's the way I just interact with my universe. But there's a lot of power that people can have if we, if we think about it in the greater context. Wow. You just gave us so much information and pearls of wisdom and we have hardly begun. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really love to have experts like you on the broadcast to really help people out there that are needing some more information because it get, gets very confusing, especially when people go on the internet and they do searches and they can come up with all kinds of things that may not be the right direction that they need to go in. And because I like learning, I love to play our game of true or false. So I think I'd like to start with that now. It's time for true or false on Be Green with Amy Live. Answer true or false to Amy's questions in the comments below. And Amy will ask our guest for the expert answer. All right. So our first true or false question, get ready, everyone, type in your answer. True or false, nutrition plays zero role in mental health. Hmm. Okay. And while they type in their answer, Dr. Bazzoni is going to tell us the answer. Right. So absolutely false. And, and what, what I think if you just look in a nutshell um, at the overall, what does the data suggest is that we see, you know, if you look at the, um, I lost you, Amy, are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. We're just, oh, okay. 
the engineer is switching camera angles. <laughs> right. <laughs> little, yeah. Yeah. So, so okay, say, say it again. Nutrition plays zero role in mental health. And your answer is? It's false, right? Okay. So, so nutrition plays a vital role. And if you think of this, well, you know, the sensation of, of well-being, it really requires feeling nourished. And that does not only mean with food, but it certainly means with food as part of that. And so if you look at the overall um, nutshell of, okay, let's take Michael Pollan's quote each, um, you know, if, if it was, if it was, if it grows from a plant, eat it, if it was made in a plant, don't, right? Well, so that really is a, a great rule to follow in terms of what we see is if we eat more highly processed foods, we have more mental health concerns. We have higher rates of depression and anxiety. And of course, we have higher rates of chronic illness as well, like diabetes and heart disease and so on. But if we eat a whole fiber-rich, plant-strong diet, plant-based diet that is good quality, that's really important good quality, whole food, plant-based diet, we have lower rates of mental health concerns and physical health concerns, right? Because they're the same. They, they go together. And, and that's really important. And I like to, to, to think about just that in a nutshell because it encompasses a lot, right? You see what nutrition plan is going to decrease your inflammation because inflammation, yes, it drives diabetes, but it also drives neuroinflammation. And we've seen a lot of that with COVID recently where, where you know, if you had a severe case of COVID with a lot of inflammation, then we're seeing higher rates of mental health concerns, brain fog, and also depression, anxiety, and so on thought to be due to neuroinflammation. But this is going on all the time. And so, so foods that nourish us and decrease inflammation because they fuel the microbiome to produce short chain fatty acids are key to reduce inflammation. And it really applies to, to that and, and stabilizing your sugar as well. But I know you have more, more true and false questions. So I don't want oh, to- Yeah, you just take your time. I love all the information that you're sharing with us. So don't, don't even hurry through because everybody is just- absorb trying to absorb it all and it's just wonderful and i'm really glad that you made the distinction because people say i'm on plant-based i'm vegan there's a distinction because you need high quality whole yes. food right and that is really key so there's you know a great um, article by satisha that showed that if we eat a vegan diet that is highly processed or low quality, if you will, in terms of, you know, has the fiber been stripped of it? Has it been changed significantly from its original form? We have higher rates of cardiovascular disease, right? So, so just being vegan is not going to save you. And we also see higher rates of anxiety and depression with any highly processed diet, including a vegan one. So it's really important that is whole plant-based food. And, and that is part of of the treatment because nobody's suggesting, even though Oreos are vegan, that they're going to improve your depression, your anxiety, or certainly your heart disease or diabetes, right? So, so it is, it's really important to, to, to understand that and to recognize with compassion, not with criticism, where we might have room to shift our nutrition to be more whole. Whether we're in the vegan world or where they're in the omnivorous world, we really have to be conscious of eating balanced uh, nutrition that is getting the nutrients we need and, and is whole. Wow. Very good. It's, you know, people are think, oh, let me go to the doctor or the health food store. Let me get some kind of prescription or supplement. And they think about putting that in their body and that that may change something for them mm -hmm. and right in front of them three, at least three times a day is yeah. that yeah. food. And that has a lot more magic than a lot than a lot of these, even some of the prescription medications sometimes. Absolutely. And it's packaged with what we need to absorb it. And that's really important. I mean, that's what, you know, you know, it's commonly said is we have these thousands of square feet of intestines to absorb food, not to absorb pills. And while pills might be part of the picture um, and can be very helpful many times, we have to recognize what we're missing and what our body is craving in terms of feeling nourished, which is a pivotal part of, of helping mental health. Okay, well, we're ready for our next question. Okay, Green Warriors, get ready. True or false, lifestyle medicine helps empower patients, which greatly affects their mental health. So type in your guess, true or false. And Dr. Bizzoni, talk to us about that. Yeah. So, I mean, definitely true, right? So, so and, and this is something that I've been thinking about a lot recently. Just, just if you look at our typical healthcare system, right? 
if you go into a, not a lifestyle medicine doctor, but just a typical doctor who is well-trained and a good doctor. So this is not saying anything against, you know, regular medicine. I was trained this way indeed, but, but what we're trained to do is we have to give you a diagnosis. You can't submit anything to your insurance. You can't, we can't write your note. We can't sign your note until we give you a diagnosis. And is that diagnosis ever something like vibrant soul living for purpose? No, it never is, right? It's something pathologic. And so it's it's major depressive disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, degenerative disc disease, diabetes. You know, it's all these things that kind of say you're broken, you know? And, so, and then we cap it off with the typical management of pretty much everything is medication. So now you're broken and dependent. And, and so how does this make me feel as a patient? Does it make, does it give me power and autonomy? Does it say I am a vibrant soul living for purpose, right? Which is really going to give us the best life and longevity and mental health if we live in that way. But, but, you know, in the medical world, we should be reconsidering the whole format because it's, 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 we got to redefine ourselves, not as something broken, not as a why not, but as a why and really focusing on that major big picture. And that's what lifestyle medicine does. It gives you the power and the tools to address the root drivers with your purpose in the forefront. And, and that I think is really key to managing all forms of illness, whether mental or, or um, chronic disease. Yes, and that's a lot a lot to talk about, which I guess we'll be unpacking lifestyle medicine. Not everybody's familiar with it. And even though there are some people that are familiar with it, because there's so much more interest in it, it's been evolving. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so it's going to be interesting to talk about that. Okay, let's go with our next question. True or false, insufficient sleep worsens anxiety. Okay, Green Warriors, type in your answer and Dr. Bizzoni, tell us. And yes, indeed, it does worsen anxiety. In fact, there was a study that came out on the West Coast not long ago that showed if you just have one night of insufficient sleep, you have 30% worse anxiety the following day. And the reason for that is that the, the, your frontal lobe in your brain has this ability to kind of shut down that anxiety spiral. But that capability is, is not uh, as, as present or as able to do so if you haven't slept well. So, so we see that, yes, in fact, insomnia actually not only increases anxiety, but also if you endorse anxiety, one study showed that you are significantly, I think it was like four times higher likelihood of, of developing depression over the subsequent three years if you endorse insomnia. And so, so it really plays a major role in your mental health. And I'm sure most every, all, all of us have felt that, you know, how you're like, why was I crying yesterday? You know, just like how emotional you can get and not to mention how much you eat and how your behaviors change if you haven't slept well. And then you get a good night's sleep and you're like, oh, God, life is pretty good. <laughs> it's just, it's just like that. And so you can imagine people that struggle a lot, which is a lot of people, right, with sleep, that it's a powerhouse. And that's what lifestyle medicine is. It's really looking at the at how we live, at, at what we eat, at how we sleep, at how we move, at how we connect and, and what we eat, et cetera, to really help optimize and help prevent, treat, and reverse disease. And, and so if we are talking about depression and anxiety and, and we're not talking about your sleep, then we're missing a huge nugget of, of potential that, that it can empower you so much just diving in a little bit deeper with sleep. And deep down inside, we're, we all know this, right? Yes. On some level, we know this. And think about newborn babies, you know, or, you know, new puppies or kittens or whatever. And they, and everybody says, oh, make sure they get plenty of rest. Make sure they get their naps. And if they don't, <laughs> I mean, I I recently have adopted a puppy. So that's very exciting for me. And I was researching it. And it said that if you don't let the puppy get proper sleep, that they can develop <laughs> anxiety. And I'm, oh, I'm saying, okay. This yeah. is very well known within the pet world, but why? Right. Also within the kid world, right? I mean, if you yeah. have a two-year-old and, you know, is acting like a complete nightmare, all the mom has to say is, oh, they missed their nap. And everyone goes, oh. <laughs> 
We know, we know, and it doesn't change. It just shifts a little bit. Like with teenagers, they need their sleep so much and so many of them are not getting it. And if you look at anxiety and depression rates right now, particularly in younger generations and teenagers and young adults, they're through the roof. And you think, what's contributing to that? Well, a lot of things are, you know, the, the natural world, our natural diet that, that we are today, but also that dependence on screens, which is a major issue. If you watch them right before bed and how many, I mean, if you've seen a teenager, you know, try to talk to them and get them to look up <laughs> you know, from their phone, it's, it's really challenging. And it's so much, an, you know, and it's a problem, not just for teenagers, it's a problem for all of us, right? Our whole world. So I'm not coming from any state of, I have this mastered, I can assure you, but, but it really is a, big deal because it, it's the the blue light if we're watching it right before bed is the greatest impeder of melatonin you know which is really necessary to surge that to kick off the sleep and then allow your cortisol to come down and allow you your body to gain resilience and tolerate stress and do all the things it needs to do to regenerate you in the night and and the screens are really impairing that and it's so part of our day-to-day -day life now we have to just get curious about what could we do instead like you know could we have a wind down hour that's stretching or take a bath or read or meditate or play a game with, you know, you know, a board game, whatever, but just try to try to do it with some, some nice soothing lights instead and see what happens. Well, very good. I'm, I'm sure that there are some people that have are played with maybe some insomnia and they may go to a physician and just get a prescription. Yeah. And, yeah. and not have this conversation yeah. about the, the different things. It's so important because the prescriptions that are often given are sedative hypnotics. And so they make you think that you're sleeping, but you're not actually getting that deep sleep. Because if we get, even if we get a nap with deep non-REM sleep, really good quality sleep, we can reduce anxiety. And so the problem with these medications is that A, they're dependent. You know, we, they, they cause dependence or they're addictive, but also that, that when, when we take them, we think we're sleeping, but we're sedated and we're not going through those sleep cycles that are so necessary for the brain to regenerate and for all the processes in the night to happen. Um, so effectively to optimize our health and, and, but yet it, it kind of fools us into thinking we're sleeping. So there's, there's, there's many other ways that are not so addictive and also that can actually help you live longer, um, which is not true of these sedative hypnotics. Well, very good. Yeah, there's there's been a lot of recent research, and it sounds like you are very much up on it, and that's a, that's a big deal for a physician to do that. There's just, I mean, you had to go through all this medical school and learn all these things and retain that, and now there's just so much more advances in science and so rapidly coming in, and it's just yeah. so impressive when I meet a physician that really is up on the latest research, which is so helpful. It's it's so important. We can't live in the dark ages anymore. We really need the current information because it's just so, so, so very helpful. Yeah. Okay. Um, I am going to do our next true or false. Okay. True or false. Spending time in nature affects mental health. Okay. Green warriors type in your answer. And Dr. Bazzoni. Yes. Yes. This is some of my, my favorite Favorite stuff that I've just actually been learning about recently, if you haven't heard of forest bathing. So the answer is true. <laughs> um, but, but forest bathing, which is a kind of ancient uh, Japanese practice, um, it, it called Shinrin Yoku. And, and I recently went on a guided forest bathing experience. And I don't know if you've done this, but it's the most amazing thing because you think, you know, I go outside and I walk like every single morning. So you know, what's this going to do? But it was, it's really a time where you incorporate your senses, right? All of your senses. And it's not about the movement per se, but you're, you're in nature and you're able to access kind of a lot of the benefits of the brain that meditation serves, but, but it's much more accessible, I believe to then you know, meditation is a challenge for many people. It's wonderful. If you meditate, oh my gosh, more power to you. And when I meditate regularly, I, I wish I did do it all the time. It's just amazing. But sometimes, especially if you're very anxious, it's very hard to be in your own brain. And it's very hard to take this time of silence because you're like, ah! you know, it, there's you can reach those benefits by going into nature. It actually helps lower your cortisol. It helps boost your natural killer cells and boost your immune system and really um, gives us that sense of peace and mindfulness. But 
without that conscious, I have to be focusing on my breath, but in fact, you can engage it. And so that's what that practice is. Um, there's a great, uh, actually, I just went to the Lifestyle Medicine Conference um, a couple of months ago, and there was a wonderful talk there. And she mentioned this wonderful grounding exercise to kind of get you to get into your forest bathing, if you, even if you don't go on a guided tour. And, and it's just incorporating your senses. So five things you can see, four things you can touch, three things you can uh, uh, hear, and then really listen like far off, midland, and then close up to your breath and, and just explore that. Uh, two things you can smell and one thing you can taste, you know, and, and it's just really incorporating your senses into nature. And not only that, but that being in nature any time of day, but especially if you're able to get out even for a few minutes first thing in the morning, is one of the most wonderful things to set your circadian rhythm and to improve your mood and to allow your brain to know it's daytime. I should be energetic and active. As a, you know, or if you go in the afternoon, oh, the sun's setting. I should wind down, you know, and, and so these important signals we're kind of missing in our virtual world so often or in our, you know, enclosed workplace that really doesn't have a tie to nature. And that's actually why the Japanese got back into it, because they were like, what is this? We have so much anxiety. There's so many health problems. So they consciously made that um, a practice that they incorporated into the well into the workplace to really help with with their health. And it's it's so powerful. So I really if, if just Google search your area. Uh, forced bathing. And it is so amazing if you if you want to try it out. Oh, I think so. Jesse T said, they say green is beneficial. And yes. it's be green with any, but it's not just the green that you eat. It's the green that you see, right? That's right. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> and blue also too. So, so yes. if you live near the sea, that's great too. <laughs> yes. I actually have uh, heard blue and green should often be seen. Oh, yes. I love yes. that. <laughs> yes. And Speaking of being out in nature, lately there's been a lot of research and we don't have to go too far into it, but I just, I'm fascinated with this latest research about infrared light mm -hmm. and how it we absorb it through our skin, even if we're in the shade, and it bounces off of green things like trees and grass. Wow, and yeah. so, yeah, and it's just, and, and it's just so fascinating. So it, you don't even have to be out in the direct sun and worrying about yeah. sun exposure, just being, even if you're in the shade and your body absorbs yes. it. Yeah. It, oh, it's just so fascinating. And that, I mean, that's, it, it's just, and it really emphasizes that the need to be part of a community and that sense of, and it helps with loneliness, right? Because it's the phytoncides from, from these plants, you know, even um, lemon balm, which is kind of an herb that helps with anxiety and it's soothing on your nerves, but the smell of pine is very mm -hmm. soothing, you know? So if you ever at Christmas, you know, if you have a live Christmas tree or, or if you go out and just smell, it's just like, but th those are that's really part of it. It's smelling, it's seeing, it's being around that that and and then not to mention, you know, the whole cleaning of the air thing, right? So so they're giving us oxygen, we're giving them CO2. It's part of of this whole process of us living symbiotically and we've missed a lot of that. And if we can reconnect to that, it's really beneficial for mental health. So so that, you know, that in itself could be I'm going to go outside for 5 minutes and just be in nature and it's not overwhelming, but notice what it does to you. And it's really powerful. Yeah. I just love how you're talking about these different pillars of health. And it's just so refreshing to, to know that there are physicians out there that are thinking about all these pillars and not just- There's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, yeah. You know, it's, it, the lifestyle medicine is is growing so rapidly because, you know, we it gives power and that's it. We, we really, you know- Patients deserve to have power and they deserve to have community and partnership in, in their health journey. And it, it's in, you know, we recognize it's not a dictatorship. Like I could give you this and say, you do this. But if I don't know who you are and, and what you want to do and what you're ready to do, then I'm wasting your time and I'm wasting my time and we won't see improvement. It's about really understanding what are your needs and getting curious as to, you know, so, so I feel anxious, but I am not anxious. I can redirect that identity, you know, and I can say, why do I feel anxious? And then find power from that and say, huh, I just ate this, or I didn't sleep well, or, or, you know, and just start to notice that, but separate the identity from the sensation. And then you can find power. And then on that journey, you just get really curious and say, 
well, this is curious. You know, every time I'm around that person or I do that thing, I get really anxious. There's some power there to be had, you know, but but you have to have a little bit of a sense of humor and definitely some distance. Because if we have things that are weighing us down like this, then we can't see anything but but the horror. It's just when you get that off your shoulders and you look at it from over here, you might find it's actually kind of nice and that you find power in the process if you can see it from a different angle. And that's so much of, of what I think that my job is, is to really just help people get distance and say, you know, this is this health concern that brings you into the door is not your identity, right? Your identity is formed by your why, your purpose on the planet to do what only you can do. And that's the first step. And that's the thing you put on your fridge, not your weight or not. I want to get off the meds or my blood pressure. Who cares? Right. It's really about living to be your best self. And then your health is necessary for that end. But then it gives us a why to eat better and to live better and to move better and to connect better because you have an endpoint that is the best endpoint you could imagine, you know, to be to get on the floor with your grandkids or to go on that trip with your partner or whatever it might be, you have a why and a purpose that's going to make the world a better place by you being better. And then, and there's not so much pressure involved. And that can sometimes in itself, just redirecting that ease a lot of the anxiety that comes around health concerns. It's just so, it's so amazing to think that people can be just so close to turning if they just yeah. get the right information. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's just truly, you know, and, and, and because I think, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions, you know, and we put so much weight on ourselves and we box ourselves in so much that if we don't get that distance, we're, we're doing ourselves a disservice. And to know that, you know, struggle is not a problem. Like mm -hmm. we all need a little stress, a little struggle to be our best selves. It's just, is it struggle that is, is causing more struggle or is it struggle that's helping us reach our best self? And, and, and we have to be able to see that difference and know that not all anxiety or worry is bad, you know? And, and cause sometimes we kind of think, well, I should be in this place of happiness, you know, every, every moment of every day. But then you, you think, wait, 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 you know, the darkest hour is just before the dawn, right? If, if we don't recognize that you got to have a little struggle to recognize how truly wonderful and magnificent you are, or this is, or then it, it would just be blah. If everything was wonderful all the time, we'd be like, this is so dull. <laughs> so, yeah. so just recognizing, you know, that in this journey, there is power and, mm -hmm. and getting a little distance to find yours is, is just, it's magnificent to watch it and to be part of it. Okay, well, let's talk about another pillar. True or false, Green Warriors, exercise worsens anxiety. True or false? Okay, they're going to put their answers in. Dr. Bazzoni, talk about it. Yeah, so no, it doesn't. I mean, you know, there, I'm sure there could be a situation where if you're really afraid of injury or something, you know, but, but in general, exercise is one of the most rapid, easiest ways to raise your serotonin. And it's very, so we see, see serotonin rise, which of course, serotonin is your happy neurotransmitter, right? That's, that's really what we're trying to, to improve and stabilize with things like Prozac or Paxil or these um, serotonin reuptake inhibitors. We're trying to keep the serotonin active for longer, but just know that, you know, serotonin A, 80% is made from your microbiome. And the primary purpose in your in your gut is is actually doesn't cross through to your brain. It's gut motility. It's to move your gut. That's how important your guts are for 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 mental health. But but it's it's just incredible to think that if I just move five minutes, fifteen minutes, it doesn't have to be an hour at the gym, right? If you just move a little bit, you you change your perspective, your, your perception, you change your perspective, you grow your, your hippocampus, right? You can improve your ability to be creative and to remember things and raise your serotonin and lift your mood by that one thing. And so, you know, next time you're feeling like, oh, I just need something. And a lot of people will go for, I feel really depressed. You know, I need a cup of coffee or some kind of stimulant to, to, to bring me up. But, but I tell you, you know, go outside, and just jump up and down or put on your favorite song and dance and see if you can shift that because it, it truly is making changes happen in your body that are, are much uh, more overall, overall healthy than taking a pill or, or a stimulant. Oh, well, Jesse T said, but it's tough to motivate yourself sometimes. Right on. 
Right on. And that's and that's really important to, to be aware of, you know, and one thing that I think is is important to know is that where you find obstacle, like where are your struggles? Like, you know, the knowing versus doing. What is the shift? What is the what what what, what is breaking that that flow from knowing what to do versus doing it? Sometimes it's stress. Right. Sometimes it's community. So if, so if you can recognize, why am I struggling to do that? I know I should do that. I know I feel better if I do, but I'm struggling. Well, maybe it's because you need an accountability partner. So that might be a time to be like, I'm going to do this every day for the next two weeks. Can, will you, can I just call you every day at, at, at this time? I'm going to walk for five minutes. Or will you text me? Or you know, get some accountability. It doesn't even have to be in person. Or maybe will you walk with me? That might be the case, but it doesn't even have to be that. Um, but if you can just find some partner that that uh, that you know would support you in this journey, that that can help you with the accountability piece, just to get you into the habit, and then once the habit is is stuck and more established, then it becomes a lot easier. And so then your your environment whether that be your community or other things in your environment. Like, you know, I do push-ups when I uh, brush my teeth or, you know, or, or whatever those things are, then, then your, your community or your environment is nudging you into those habits. You don't have to think so hard because if we have to take a really active step to do something way outside of the norm, it's going to be harder, but buddy tag it onto a habit you already do or bring an accountability partner in and make those obstacles that you you kindly and compassionately see into opportunity. And that tells you what you need to do is. And so, and it's not with criticism. It's not like, well, I'm just weak and lazy, you know, no, it's like we, we all, we all have our struggles, but, but if we recognize, well, this has historically been my struggle, then say, what's it going to take to, to get me out of that slump um, or to get me moving or whatever it might be. And, and, and there's your power. And so hang on to that and write it and then see what happens. I love that. And here, I mean, we're talking about depression and anxiety. So I guess if somebody has depression, especially, then that's really, mm -hmm. I mean, some people could even be struggling just to get off the couch. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and so, and again, just seeing, well, where do I find a little motivation if that's there? Or what is, what do I feel like I could or be ready to do? And that might be, I can go outside. I'm not even going to exercise, right? I'm going to go outside and feel my feet in the grass and feel grounded. And I'm just going to sit there and drink my tea for five minutes outside. And that can lift your spirits. And it doesn't, and it doesn't seem so overwhelming or maybe like such an obstacle if we're struggling with really deep depression. Then, then you find something, you know, and again, that's why we kind of, there's never just one thing. There's a lot of different ways to do this. And you find the thing that says, yeah, I could do that. You know, and and sometimes it, it's it's not as hard as you think. Um, so so just seeing seeing what works for you, and I find that grounding exercise or just even going outside, um, it does it's not too overwhelming. I love that because that's that's so that sounds like a real step that somebody could take. Yeah, you know, if 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 you just you know if you live in an apartment and you're you know up on a top floor, open up the window even if it's cold outside and just take a breath. Right. I mean, yeah. that's that's a small step you could make. Yeah. And then, like you said, just if you could step outside, I, because I sometimes you're in a lot all day because you're working or you're you know doing things on the computer or what have you. And even for myself, I notice that when I do go outside, I just my whole I can feel a change in, in myself and how right. I feel. It's just. Yeah. Yeah. It's invigorating. And that, and especially when we're depressed, like we feel like we're in a hole. So, so whatever you can do to just pull you up a little bit is, is so key. And it's, yeah, it's, it's really, really big. And the other thing that you can kind of, that, that I find sometimes helps is just like take three breaths, right? Three breaths where your exhales are longer than your inhales and say something that you want to tell yourself, right? So I am safe is something that I hear a lot because I hear, I have so many patients that, you know, might have a trauma history or they, they're, they're so anxious or they feel so just kind of overwhelmed that their sense of safety is, is compromised, you know? So just inhaling, I am exhaling safe, or sometimes it's worthy, 
right? If you've had a long history of telling yourself you're unworthy or someone else telling you you're unworthy, then, then, you know, just finding something that resonates, or maybe it's, I am energetic, right? And then you say it enough, you start to believe it. And so you go outside, you do it three times and, and, and do that intermittently through your day and then see, see what happens. I mean, it is, we have to live it, breathe it, tell it to ourselves. And then, and then our body will come around. Right. And it's not all or nothing, right? It's right. Just, if you you don't have to put on that that video or YouTube thing and do you know the forty five minute power yeah. workout, you don't have to go out for the walk for ten thousand steps a day, but yeah. you, but you should just do a little something, right? Yeah, yeah. An exercise snack. I actually on my YouTube, I have um, a whole bunch of options for exercise snacks because you know even you can be sedentary and have the the health concerns of sedentary behavior even if you go to the gym for an hour every day right so so what we can do by breaking up at just move 3 minutes for every 30 minutes you're seated that reduces risk of chronic disease right it, it helps us think better and be more productive so so you know i've you know forever having you know, been a very driven person and a student, whatever. And, and like, I wouldn't let anyone bother me and I would just be working, working, working. But you know that the answer comes when you go outside, when you go on your walk, when you get up, when you change your environment and, and it helps you to be more productive. And you think, gosh, I just put myself in misery for so many years, <laughs> but, yeah. but taking those little breaks or exercise breaks have a huge benefit and it doesn't, it could be in increments of any, any, uh, length. So five minutes, 15 minutes and, and making it not overwhelming is key. Very good. Yep. You start off small and then who, who knows where it'll wind up as, as you get feeling better, then you can do yeah. better. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. So and Annette said, cooking isn't easy when you're having mental health issues. For me, it's easy to mess up a recipe, which I normally can make. I really want to make this lifestyle work. Advice? Yes. Make it as easy as you can, you know, and, and also recognize that some of the best recipes were made from mistakes. <laughs> so, so remember, you know, it, it doesn't have to be one way. It doesn't have to look one way. And that, again, that trapping yourself in that it has to be a certain way. You know, the, the basic thing is that if, if you can just say, yes, I did this, I got a cup of beans today. I got four cups or maybe two cups, wherever you are, Try to try to get at least two cups of dark leafy greens. But if if you're at zero, then go to one. You know, I, I got more vegetables today. I got dark leafy greens. I got you know the colors of the rainbow. I got berries. They're so good for your brain, right? I mean, you know, and it doesn't have to. They can be raw. I mean, the beans can't, right? But you can open a can. You can rinse them off, and boom, that's it. It doesn't have to be hard. Um, and just kind of keep give some very simple achievable goals for maybe it's not. I have to make this amazing recipe that looks like just like the picture, but rather I'm just going to check off that I got my beans, I got my greens, I got my veg, I got my fruit, I got my flax, you know, and, you know, and then maybe you get some sauerkraut, which is amazing. Uh, fermented foods, if your gut can take them, they're a worthy investment to get your, to train your gut to get them because they have some great benefits for depression um, and, and fueling your microbiome. So, so get a little sauerkraut and just, but keep just some realistic things and say, this is where I am. This is what I feel I can do and check that box. And it does not have to be pretty and it does not have to be perfect, but you do what you can and you celebrate what you do. And if you get off one day, you say, that's life. That's okay. But I'm going back. This is what I'm doing. You know, and, and you just, you just keep with it. And again, finding any obstacles that arise as opportunity to say, how can I make this easier for me so that I don't beat myself up because I messed up this recipe? Well, just know, you know, like what Wheaties, were made as an accident because somebody burnt the, <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, a lot of the best things were made by accident. So you don't, you don't even know what you're creating. <laughs> yeah. And there are some simple things that you could make, you know, a, a baked potato it, you know, in the microwave and there's great flavored balsamic vinegars. So you don't mm -hmm. have to worry about that. So there are some simple things that you can do. I have a, a list of videos that I have, which is called, Hey, I can make that. Yes. And, and it's for the cooking challenge, like me, yeah. who really yeah. don't don't look forward to being in the kitchen, but we just do it. And if we can just get some recipes that only have a, just a handful of ingredients, and don't, and we can't destroy them because I'm I'm I will sometimes have something on the stovetop, and I'll say, well, since that's simmering, I right. can go do this. I'm always 
doing that. So, right, right. And then, yeah. So yeah, so teachers just do something that that doesn't need hand holding and watching, and and is really difficult to to not uh, to mess it up. Yes, yes. Make it easy. Yes, I'm incredibly la lazy cook, but I really try. I just focus on. I'm gonna get those the colors of the rainbow on a bed of greens with a side of beans, and don't forget the whole grains. And you find, you know, it's it's pretty easy. And if you if you have like some good hot sauce, you can, and it's, you know, a couple of good herbs, then suddenly it becomes interesting or, or, you're, or you just find a pomegranate, right? And then suddenly you're like, oh, this is really gourmet. <laughs> yeah. I put a pomegranate on my Mexican, you know, dish. Exactly. <laughs> you're like, this could be served in any fine restaurant. <laughs> Very good. So, and this is a good time to talk about a little caveat here, but Joanne G said, can someone really get off depression medications? And I've had people on the show that have been able to do that, but maybe you want to talk about a little caveat as far as supervision yeah, and so forth. Yeah, and absolutely. More about and it. Yeah. So, so yes, I have seen people get off of depression meds. I think, I think that it is really important just to say first that you work with a provider that you trust. Um, and, and don't be in a rush to get off meds because in the same sense of we can box ourselves in as an identity, we can also box ourselves in with the, with the goal of I've got to get off medications. This is showing weakness, right? When that doesn't serve everyone, you know, and, and I think that that's a really important, um, thing to realize that if you're on medications for anxiety or depression or, or whatever, that doesn't mean that you're a less valuable person or that you failed, right? And, and so so that's really, really important. The bigger thing is, can I do what matters most to me? Do I have the energy and vibrance to do what matters most? And then, and that's how I frame it with patients. I say, you know, first of all, know your endpoint and your endpoint isn't to be med-free. It might, it, it might end up that way, but that doesn't make you a better or a worse person. But what's important is that you know that you are striving to be the best version of yourself to do what matters most to you in the best way that you can. And, and that's the case. And if you find that you do that better with an antidepressant, then don't be in a rush to get off of it, right? It, it, maybe you will, but maybe you won't. And either way, as long as you're living for purpose and, and, and putting your decisions that you make every day towards that bigger end, then who cares if you're on an antidepressant? It's, you know, so, so it's, 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 it's not, it does not define you. And, but, but yes, people can get off of antidepressants. Absolutely. I have definitely seen that happen. Um, have I seen everyone get off of antidepressants because they go on a plant-based diet? No, no, because, and, but if you have to be honest about that and be accepting of yourself and say, you know, I'm a nicer person. I remember I had a patient for years. He was like, I take this because my wife says I'm an, I'm a nicer person if I take it. <laughs> and he's like, and I like my wife. <laughs> So I want to keep her. And so, you know, it, it was, you're like, okay, well, if you know what matters most to you, then there's your answer. Yeah. So I think that uh, I've seen a lot of questions come in with our email and a lot of people have been asking what food helps with anxiety and depression. You probably heard that over and over again. Mm -hmm. So how would you like to answer that? Yes. Yes. So, so again, kind of going back to inflammation and going back to sugar stabilization. I think those are two very important things to consider because again, it's not like, oh, I started taking sauerkraut and suddenly I got off of antidepressant meds. Well, yes, sauerkraut or, or fermented foods can be very helpful. Uh, turmeric, which reduces inflammation, but has all these other benefits can be very helpful. Saffron um, has shown benefit in randomized controlled trials for depression, but it's usually not going to be in one thing. It's more of the pattern of the food, right? And so we want to make sure I'm eating balanced, nutrient-dense meals, right? Because with that, if they're fiber-rich and I have sufficient protein, and both of those things are important, right? So, so I don't want my body to feel like I am missing anything. Because that makes us crave and that makes us feel, you know, per perhaps shaky or, or whatever, you know, especially in the case of low fiber. So, so you just want to keep that in the background and make sure you're getting enough protein for you. And also, um, ideally, minimum of 40 grams of fiber a day. Ideally, you know, if you look at the SMILES trial, which is a, a randomized control trial that was done uh, looking at patients with depression. And what they focused on in that trial was increasing fiber 
and whole plants. It wasn't a completely plant-based trial, but they had 50 grams or more of fiber a day. So, you know, that's pretty good when the average American is about, you know, 15. So, so that's really hefty and you can only get fiber from plants. So, you know, that was a very plant strong um, diet that they were talking about as their intervention. And they, they showed significant benefit. I think 34% of them um, went into remission, which was four times as much um, as those that, that were, they compared them to, which were, were having social support. Right. And social support benefited as well. I think like 8% of them um, improved in, in the social support group. Um, but four times that many improved with the 50 grams of fiber nutritional intervention, eating more whole uh, fiber rich foods. So focusing on fiber because you, you want to stabilize those sugars and do everything that you can to say, OK, if I eat like, say, a cupcake or like a white refined you name it, fill in the blank, then it shoots my sugar up. And then my insulin has to follow because my body goes, ah, I got all this sugar. You know, this is this is poison out in the system. So I have to bring it into the cell. So it secretes your, your, your beta cells from your pancreas say, okay, I got to get this covered and I'm going to secrete my insulin. And then it pulls it into the cell, but you have to secrete so much to cover that much of a huge sugar spike that you can crash down and be hungrier and your sugar be lower than where you started and feel shaky, which again, mimics very much anxiety, right? Mm. That, oh, you know, my heart rate's fast. I'm sweating. I'm, it's just like a panic attack, right? I, I don't know that you could really tell the difference unless you just took your sugar and you're like, oh, you're having low sugar. That's not a panic attack. You know, so they, they look a lot alike. And so, so stabilizing that and, and making sure that you're not lacking, you know, like kale is wonderful, but if you only eat kale, you're going to be lacking some nutrients. You're not going to get enough protein. You're probably not going to actually get enough fiber, but you're certainly not going to get your amino acids met, right? So, so recognizing that balanced foods, a grain, a green and a bean, you know, some kind of thing like that to, to really stabilize you. And making sure you're hydrated as well is really important going into your meals, right? Because dehydration makes us feel really weird. And sometimes we can't separate, do I feel weird or, you know, that prompts anxiety or am I anxious? And that's why I feel weird, you know, because again, we're connected. And, and so, so really focusing on those things is really important, but adding in herbs like turmeric, like lavender, um, you know, that can be very lovely for anxiety. Uh, you know, I love using teas before bed, especially, you know, lemon balm, lavender, chamomile before bed for anxiety can be helpful for sleep and anxiety. And, and, you know, it's, it's really kind of using herbs and, and that's, um, you know, there, there's a lot of things just to cultivate that sense of nourishment. Um, and recognizing, you know, where's the opportunity? Because a lot of the foods, like if we're eating highly processed foods, well, that drives depression, anxiety, and instability. And also then we beat ourselves up because, ah, God, now I just ate that. I'm weak on top of it. You know, all of the, the, the conversations that go in our head with that, but also the systemic effects of highly processed foods. So noticing how can I switch that to more whole food? And what are the other tendencies? Excess caffeine, for example. So like more than 400 milligrams of caffeine can prompt more anxiety. Um, so if you feel sluggish or tired because you, you you're anxious and you're not sleeping because you're anxious, and so you're drinking all the coffee, so you're not sleeping, you know, then it's a cycle that goes through. So again, see that as power. Say, well, on the front end, maybe let's go for decaf, but maybe even better, let's go for something that can bring that sympathetic nervous system and parasympathetic nervous system into balance, right? And what does that mean? If we're like fight and flighting all the time and we're really imbalanced here and our rest and digest is off, then anytime we feel sluggish, it's often because of this imbalance. And so rather than saying, I'm going to have coffee, you know, and I'm going to push that further, you know, or I'm going to have alcohol, which is going to worsen your digestion and your sleep, you know, but often we do that if we're anxious, and, and it, you know, it's a great way to really destroy all the work you're putting into your microbiome is just kind of, you know, rub it with an alcohol swab, <laughs> then, then recognize that if we're doing those things without criticism, recognize that they're worsening the imbalance and find power and opportunity in that tendency. So you say, hmm, instead of alcohol, I'm going to try something different, like some, some sparkling water with some digestive bitters or, you know, or just something that you can put in a fancy glass and could be interesting or, you know, you know, squeeze some fruit or put some fresh mint or, or things like that. And there are some different herbal teas, um, and, and try to switch that out. And then instead of the coffee, maybe try something, well, like 
you know, green tea, which has less caffeine, but also can be very helpful um, for, for your health, or maybe even an herbal tea that's calming, such as the ones that I mentioned before. So, so just kind of, it's nice to kind of look in the context of what you need and where your opportunity is to, to really um, serve you best. I really like that analogy about the, the alcohol and the cotton swamp. <laughs> I, I've not heard that before. I think about how even, you know, lately how a lot of people are going through so much hand sanitizer just to, because they want to clean their hands, right? And they want to destroy anything that, that's on their hands. And meanwhile, yeah, they're, they're, they're ingesting it and possibly alcohol yeah. and that's destroying things too. Just like just all those like bugs that we want to produce the serotonin and we want them to produce the short chain fatty acids to reduce the inflammation. And yeah. And so, and, and not to mention the alcohol also disrupts your sleep. And we talked about the role of sleep in mental health before. So, so it, there's a lot of power to be had and, and, you know, looking at it with, with again, a little bit of curiosity, not like, I've got to do this. Oh, there's another thing I do wrong. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just, you know, getting curious and finding what, what you're ready for. Yeah. I, I discovered that. Oh, that's another thing I'm doing wrong thing as I adopted this lifestyle, you yeah. know, because when I told my husband, I was curious about it and he said, well, you know, let's give it a try and, and let's buy the books and so forth. And I said, well, if we do it, then I can't unlearn it. And then what? And, right. but he still agreed. And, but then that made me curious. So I started to learn about other things and started to learn about lifestyle medicine. And, oh, there's another thing I'm doing. <laughs> but but yeah. it was good information, just like what you're giving us today. It's good information. And no, maybe you just can't flip a switch and change it all overnight. But now mm -hmm. that you have the information, the knowledge is power. Mm -hmm. and, and now at least it's, to me, having information makes you feel like you're more in control over yourself. Right. And, and with anxiety, isn't that part of anxiety is you don't feel the control. Yeah. Well, you know, it's really fascinating. Actually, I don't know if you know, um, Judd Brewer, but I love his work and that's a great resource for people that are struggling with anxiety. You can, he did a great podcast with Rich Roll, if you just want to kind of get an overview of him. But what is fascinating is that, you know, it really is where, where we, we don't know what's going to happen. Right. And so we want to worry or we want to do something active about it. It's an active process. And so the, so the process that that he talks about is retraining the habit of anxiety. And I think it's so powerful. Right. So if you have a trigger um, that makes you anxious, whatever it is. Right. So say it's poor sleep, but say it's an interaction with somebody at work or something like that that gives you or, or a deadline. Right. And then what's the behavior that we're doing? Well, we're worrying excessively and it's making it so I can't do the work that I'm stressing about because my brain is is all over the place, but it's not really creatively functioning, you know, for productivity and work. And then what's the true result? Well, I'm I'm not getting my work done. So I'm more anxious because I didn't get it done, you know. And so this cycle. So, so with compassion and distance, recognizing what the cycle is. And then noticing how we can reframe and retrain the brain to, to see that that is not a reward. The worry that I am doing, it, there is some active component of that. And if I do something else or just be conscious of it and try to shift that to something else, then, then I get a better reward and I can retrain my brain. So, so it's a really fascinating uh, way and he can explain it much more than I can and has actually an evidence-based app to help unwind anxiety. And, but it's, it's, a, it's a whole body thing. And I think that's really important, the, the idea that you know we are connected to purpose and, and our lifestyle dictates our health and our ability to live for purpose. But what we choose to do, if it triggers an overwhelm button in you, then that's not what you should do. You mm. should do something that is achievable, that's realistic for you right now in this place without criticism, with compassion. And when you choose it, tell a friend. And then you you build a habit. And then you go from that. And maybe eventually you do that other thing that was overwhelming. And that's part of the natural process. But that's how we make change. And it is baby steps. It is not overnight. And all of the, you know, the more we learn, the more there is to know. You know, so so just and that's part of the fun and really try to find joy in that process um, and curiosity. And, and it can be just really transformational. 
I like that you said that about choosing what you're going to do and not putting yourself in a place where you're trying to do something that is too overwhelming at that time in your life. And it just made me think about the self-talk yeah, and, and the negative words. You want to talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it kind of goes, goes to what we're talking about that, you know, what are we talking? What are we telling ourselves? And so often it, it's, you're not worthy or, or you're lazy or you're, you know, the, these kind of messages that go into our brain. And that's really the kind of mindfulness process is to get a little distance and be like, wait a second, that's not the identity that I claim that I want. That's the identity that was given to me by somebody like a teacher along the way who said I was lazy. And then I owned it and then I've kept it. And I'm like, what? Well, I'm lazy. You know what? Well, no, I'm not lazy. You know, and so, and so you, but you notice any of the thoughts that are going by, you have the option to choose one over the other. And the, in that lies some significant power. But so often we don't recognize that we can do that. And so, so you know, that's kind of what mindfulness is. It's to be okay with what is. And if a thought goes by that says, oh, you know, you're, you're not worthy or you're so weak or, you, you know, you've done this wrong or what all that self, self-talk that, that either s- serves us or doesn't serve us. And we have the option to let it go on by and catch the next one that's going to get us closer to the finest version of ourselves. And that discussion and that, it, it, and again, it's, it's a journey. And, and there's so many of these messages that have been ingrained in us, depending on your upbringing or, you know, so many things of, of the messages that either, you know, you're not worthy or you're not safe or you're not, you know, what, whatever those things are. And notice what the conversation is in your head and recognize if you can get distance from it, it means you don't have to accept it because some of those thoughts are not yours. They're your parents or they're your teachers or they're, they've just been with you. And, and that self-talk um, uh, can really make or break um, the journey. Very well said, very well said. I hope that people are getting inspired to change the dialogue in their, in their brain because it can, it's hard to shut that off sometimes. And yeah. I think, I, I mean, I think everybody has it, everybody. Some people are more overwhelmed by it than maybe other people. Yeah. And the goal not being so much to shut it off, the the goal not to be like have an empty brain. We've we've all had that at some point, but, (laughs) but, but, you know, again, it's, it's not to, you know, I I love the, if you've ever heard um, Headspace, which is a meditation app, um, the, the guy that, that does that, he talks about um, you know, mindfulness is like training wild horses and you don't, you know, you, you basically, he doesn't say this, but, but I say this, which is basically, you don't want to shoot the horse, right? You just want to know that, you, you know, it wants to work for you, not, not fight against you. And if there's a thought in your head that's going by, that is, is fighting against you and your journey to your best self, then let it ride by, but don't kill it. Having the awareness that it was there is power. Right. And having the awareness that you don't have to choose it and follow it and get into the car with it, if you will, but wait for the next one that actually is taking you where you want to go. That's awareness and that's power. And so so it's it's really it's it's not the goal is not to I just can't shut off my brain, my monkey mind. The goal is not to shut it off. The goal is to just get okay with it and get curious and kind of find it a little entertaining. Because I think a lot of us think that, oh, I'm the only one that has these struggles in my mind, but I can assure you, everyone has these struggles in their mind. And, and so there, there's a lot of, of you know, again, that not all struggle is bad. Um, yeah. and, and we can, that struggle can be part of our journey towards growth if, if we see it to be such, because it, it's our perception that creates our reality. And, and that reality is yours to choose. Very good. Yeah, I noticed for myself, I mean, because I, I had the monkey mind. And so, but I noticed that for myself, when, I, when I'm doing exercise, especially if it's something challenging, and it doesn't mean that I have to be jumping up and down and having my heart pounding out of my chest. It could be something as simple as holding a yoga pose and trying to make it as best as I can make it because you're not going to be perfect at yoga, but yeah. you're going to try. And it's really difficult to have these crazy thoughts in your head when you're trying to hold a yoga pose, just a simple yeah. yoga pose, yeah. not, not has, doesn't have to be advanced or anything. And, and oh, oh yeah, John said, plant-based for years, have suffered periodic depression for years. 
I've tried so many things. The only thing that works is when I commit to 45 minutes of intense workouts and sweat and work my butt. Okay. So that works for you, John. Yeah. 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 That's fantastic. And it is, you know, it's so that mind body connection, getting grounded, whatever gets you grounded out of your head and into your body and the, and the yoga pose or the intense workout is a really great example of that. And you can breathe in an uncomfortable position as you know, I love yoga because it's, it's just, you know, you can really, if you can breathe in an uncomfortable position, that is the power for anxiety, right? For mm -hmm. The uncomfortable position doesn't have to be in your body. It can be in your head and often it is. And if we can just breathe through it and be okay with it, that that's, that's the goal. You know, in, in your biography that you provided, you mentioned your philosophy, which I love. You, you said healthcare should be about supporting a purpose-driven identity rather than a diagnosis code mm -hmm. and about offering power through a disease-fighting lifestyle rather than medical dependence. So why don't you talk to us about what you do and yeah. how people can get in touch with you? Yeah, absolutely. So, so well, I see patients through plant-based telehealth. Um, I'm based out of Chattanooga, Tennessee. And so I also have a practice here along with my wonderful health coach, Chrissy Smith, who um, she will go and clean out people's pantries. She'll take them to the grocery store. She'll do, you know, she, we're both certified yoga instructors as well. She will teach them, you know, it's really whatever they see that would be the best thing to reduce their barriers um, you know, and, and, and to partner with patients, that's what we do there. And then I do a lot of, um, employee health and wellness, you know, and I think that it's, it, there's so much power there because, you know, for years you would say something to a patient I was working in the, in the regular, uh, you know, medical system. And, and I, and I was so excited about plant-based nutrition or, or lifestyle medicine. And then I would tell the, the, you know, my patients here, do this. And then I, I realized by telling them that, I was basically telling them not to eat their wife's cooking. You know, I was like, oh, causing stress. And I thought, this isn't going to work. Like, like we have to create community. This has to be fun and engaging and pe bring people together. Meals are about coming together, not feeling like you're completely isolated and you can't watch what they're eating and they can't watch what you're eating. Then, that, you know, that's that defeats the purpose of, of, of the why. Right. And so it should be about connection. So really creating a communities that where the healthy option can be the easy and more natural option and the fun option is really where I, I think uh, that, that's my, my, my greatest goal, really. And so I do that in, in the workplace by doing employee wellness webinars and really, really talking about that and giving the power, but also creating a community so, so that they can do a challenge, you know, for water challenge or, or whatever it is. And then I work with um, doing um uh, I, I'm on the board of the YMCA and really work with with creating programming for um, for individuals in our community. And so, so we're I'm so excited because we're just kicking off um, what is called the Heart and Soul Project, where we we will teach. We have a wonderful team, um, a garden lead that's teaching teens to garden and grow herbs. And so they'll have an herb tasting garden. Um, an amazing chef who is uh, our kitchen lead and teaching them to prepare um, whole food, plant-based, ill soul food. So that is um, Latino and, and African-American flavors to really empower those at highest risk in our community. And, uh, and those meals are delivered to heart failure patients who've recently been discharged. So they're tying into the community and the relatedness. And that's really, and, and they get a, a medical referral. And which is how the original way I saw lifestyle medicine in action was referring to this program that was not fully whole food plant-based, but the original program is in, in California called the Series Project. And we're affiliate of that project. And, and I saw it at work and I referred a patient who had been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer and had outlived her, her date, um, if you will, and said, the reason I'm still alive is because of this program. And I was like, no, I think you're right. <laughs> because she was, people were caring for her and she was eating real food in a time when she was in health crisis and would have eaten bologna sandwiches, you know, and, and she, and they were delivered by delivery angels in the community and prepared by, by teens in the community. And it just ties it together in such a beautiful way. And, and that's where I think the power is. We've got to make this the norm and we've got to make doing it not, not be so difficult but to, rather we can unite around it and make it fun and engaging and, and um, something that we can do together to transform illness to wellness. You have to change from I to we, and that's really where I think the power is. Well, beautifully said. And I hope, I hope that people will reach out to you if they, if they, if they 
are in your area, in, in your states that you cover. So that's wonderful. Thank you so much, Dr. Bizzoni. Oh, thank you. This has been such a joy and pleasure to be on the show with you, Amy. Uh, I mean, you just had so many pearls about anxiety, depression, and, and lifestyle in general, and, and how all those things can affect our health. And it's and it's nice to know that if, by adopting a plant-based lifestyle and by paying attention to these different lifestyle pillars of health, that not just anxiety and depression, but it really can help so many other things in our life. So just it's a wonderful way to to try to get regain our health and take tar- charge of things. Yeah, absolutely. And Green Warriors, tell us what you're going to remember. What's your takeaway? And please stay tuned for a special announcement. I did wanted to thank Just Test Voice. She did the promos and she also did the voiceovers. She did so much for us to help get the word out about this. And Just Test Voice, tell us who's coming up next. Having trouble falling asleep or staying asleep? Yoga instructor Angela Faschetti will teach restorative yoga to encourage sleep on Wednesday, February 15th, 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Be Green with Amy Live. I think I could just put that on repeat and that might just make me <laughs> calm and, and sleep. But I'm so glad that Angela is coming on to do that because we did talk about the importance of sleep. So that's going to be a wonderful thing for people to stay tuned and the next time. And I wanted to thank most of all the Green Warriors out there that have been tuning in and sharing this and liking it and helping us grow this audience and grow this community so that we can get this information out to people. And as a gift to you, Anybody that's watching or listening, just go to Be Green with Amy slash join. And I'm going to send you five free recipes with some fun pictures and of me doing things with this lifestyle and trying to help you out with this. So just go ahead and do that and I'll email them to you every couple of days. You'll get another recipe. And Dr. Pizzoni, <laughs> we're going to be signing off soon. But before we do, Green Warriors, why don't you go ahead and take your right hand and put it on your left shoulder and your left hand and put it on your right shoulder. Now squeeze, because that's a hug from me to you. Now, Dr. Vizzoni is going to do my sign off, which is my tagline. And if you guys want to type that in and do it along with us, you can go ahead and do that. And are you ready, Dr. Vizzoni? I'm ready. <laughs> okay, excellent. I'm so excited. Okay. So until I see all of you guys again, Remember, be strong, be well, and be Be green. (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye, everyone. And thank Thank you so much, Dr. Bizzoni. Thank you. Now you can listen to Be Green with Amy expert interviews wherever you go. Listen while walking, meal prepping, or traveling. Find Be Green with Amy on Apple, Google, Alexa, Amazon, or virtually anywhere you find podcasts. Be strong, be well, and be green with Be Green with Amy.